Welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome once again to the Sports Pro Podcast. My name is Owen Connolly. I'm the editor-at-large at Sports Pro. Hope you're well. Uh, we are talking today about baseball as the major leagues head into a unique postseason. 16 teams still involved in the playoffs after that heavily shortened campaign. Uh, it's going to make for a packed few weeks. It's going to be different. Uh, but you might just find the seeds of the game's future sown somewhere within it all. Chris Maranak became Chief Operations and Strategy Officer at MLB just a few weeks ago. Uh, his promotion coming as the organisation reshuffled its senior leadership team after the departure of Tony Petiti for Activision Blizzard. Um, and this week I spoke to Chris a little bit about that shift, but more about a summer of unprecedented challenges. We discussed what it's taken to get baseball played this year at all uh, and why the playoffs have taken on their 2020 format, as well as what's been learned about fan engagement in a season where, with the possible exception of some of these playoff games, fans will not have been in ballparks at all. Um, And MLB is also embarking on some very interesting digital projects from the Google Cloud-backed Film Room, which lets fans create their own videos from three and a half million historic clips to the Hawkeye-powered StatsCast. Uh, Chris explains the ambition for all of that to come together to create uh, data-rich, personalised environments that encompass every part of the baseball experience, digital and physical, and how that is one part of a strategy to transform the sports economy and bring in another generation of support. Before we get on to that, a couple of brief reminders. Uh, the Sports Pro 50 Most Marketable series is off and running. The list of the world's 50 most marketable athletes is on sportspromedia.com now. I won't spoil it, but um, head over there and you can have a good old look through. It's powered by Nielsen. It's a bit of a different approach from previous years, uh, and it's all going to be the subject of the next podcast. Two, but SportsPro has expanded 50mm this year to give you a bigger, broader picture of where the industry is at. So in the next couple of weeks, you'll also be getting the most marketable brands and the most marketable sports properties. So look out for those and listen out for them on the podcast. And on the subject of MLB, Tony Chi is going to be among the many fine speakers at the SportsPro Asia virtual conference which is now just a few weeks away uh, on the 21st and 22nd of October. Find out how you can join him and representatives from a wealth of leading sports organizations and forward-thinking companies for some great sessions, tech showcases and digital networking by going to sportsproasia.com. More on that across our channels soon enough as well. Right now, though, we're into the MLB postseason with Chris Maranak. You're listening to the Sports Pro Podcast. Chris Maranak, Chief Operations and Strategy Officer at Major League Baseball. Welcome to the Sports Pro Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Obviously, we are getting to the business end of a, a, a very 
unusual MLB season and there's there's kind of there's lots to get into in terms of how the last few months have gone and um you know what we can expect uh from the playoffs but first of all you uh your your role as uh, chief operations and strategy officer what what does that entail how is uh how does that reflect the, the restructure at MLB recently yeah, so uh, I'm responsible for all of our business operations and strategies. So that, that in, uh, includes our technology and product development, our content operations, marketing, um, and then our business operations, which include things like building our major league schedule, rescheduling games, uh, all those types of things, as well as our game day operations, um, data collection, um, broadcast operations, all of those types of things. So it's it's uh, pretty wide-ranging uh, role of responsibilities, uh, but generally encompassing all that we do on the business side to, to put on a game. Sure. And what was, um, you know, what was the, the thinking behind that change in responsibilities, that slight remodeling? Because you've, um, you know, Noah Garden has also gone in as, as chief revenue officer and um, uh, there have been a few different shifts in the, in the, in the front office there. Yeah, we, um, Tony Petiti, who had been our uh, Deputy Commissioner of Business had uh, recently left baseball over the course of the summer. He's, he's moved on to Activision um, in, a, in a great role for him. And what we thought uh, of doing in terms of splitting up Tony's areas of responsibilities was, again, kind of focusing on fan engagement and operations, which are the things that, that I'm involved in. So really anything that has to do with direct fan engagement, um, marketing, our, all of our digital products that are direct to consumer uh, are all sort of in one place. And so we have one common voice with with, with, with which what we're uh, doing to reach our fans. And then on the on Noah's side, Noah's really focused on our corporate relationships and revenue generation. So all of our media, all of our uh, merchandise, all of our uh, corporate partnerships, you know, um, all those types of relationships are areas that Noah's responsible for. And he really gets to capitalize on, you know, working with our corporate partners and bringing the game of baseball to our fans, you know, through our, our relationships, things like ESPN, Fox, um, you know, our big corporate partners like Chevy and Bank of America. Um, so that and T-Mobile. So that's where you know Noah's really focused. Mm. Now, obviously, th- this is all happening, and probably isn't too surprising to hear is it is an unusual uh, MLB season, and there were some very steep challenges when baseball started again back in the in the midsummer um but what have you learned from that experience what's um how how has the experience of the past couple of months been uh in terms of of getting baseball on at all yeah we look we've learned a lot i mean this whole situation in 2020 has been new for everybody um you know we put in a a ton of protocols in place to try to keep our our players our, our staff safe i think by and large those work but certainly there were ups and downs where we learned along the way um, and, uh, you know, we, what we did was a little different than what some of the other leagues did, given that we were really trying to play a full season with all 30 teams, um, and traveling from city to city. And, um, you know, there was, I think, like I said, in the beginning, there was a pretty wide level of community spread back in July. And I think we had to learn some things about, um, some of the process and procedures that we needed to, to, to keep the virus out of our, our system. But I think we, learn those things quickly. I think the last month of the season, the last, something like the last 34 days or something, we had no positives um, with any player in baseball. So we learned the players were great. I mean, they really adapted and adjusted and followed the protocols to a T for the most part. And um, 
look, I think it just shows you that it can be done and it kind of is a good learning experience for us going into the next year, which I'm sure will continue to have some of the same challenges. Um, I think like we feel we're, we're in a good position next year to play 162 games and, and do it in a way that's safe. Obviously, that, that very different regular season now gives way to a, a very different postseason. You've got 16 teams still involved in competition. Um, can you just give us a breakdown very quickly of, of, of what those changes are going to be? Yeah, so our postseason this year, we, given that we felt like uh, you know it was a shortened season, there was regional play, so not everybody had, had a chance to play each other. I think we felt like we needed to be more inclusive rather than less inclusive in terms of, of teams into the postseason. And so we expanded um, from last year five teams per league, um, and we've expanded that to eight teams per league this year. There's an opening round that we're calling the Wild Card Series where um, – there's four matchups per league. Um, it's all, all three games, the three-game series. All three games are hosted at the higher seed. Um, and it, it gives an opportunity for us to see a ton of baseball this first week of the postseason. We're going to have as many as eight games um, on, on Wednesday and Thursday per day this week. Um, and it's really for people that love baseball, you're going to get to see a lot of really exciting baseball over the course of the next couple of days. It should be a lot of fun. And what was the motivation behind that? Was it is this a, a media case to have more games? Is it a question of you couldn't come up with the season that you felt was fair enough, given the the massive reduction in the number of games um, over the summer? So you kind of had to give teams as much of a sporting chance as possible. What 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 motivated keeping so many teams involved? Yeah, look. So the way we designed our regular season this year was unique in the sense that it um, we had a regional structure where we had groups of 10 teams, three groups of 10 teams that all play each other and they didn't cross pollinate between those regions. And so, you know, we felt like given that there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, teams didn't have a chance to play each other head to head. Um, and the, the quality of play in one region could be vastly different, you know, from one region to the next. I think we felt like we needed to give these teams a chance to settle it on the field and, um, you know, including more teams rather than fewer give teams a chance to play each other to determine who's really the best and use that as a basis to guide our postseason this year, given the fact that it was a shorter season and that teams didn't have as much opportunity to play each other. So I think we've, we felt like it's worked out well. Um, you know, the new structure, there's been a lot of interest in it. And, um, you know, the most important thing is that you're going to see the world series champion. that's going to be settled on the field and, and the teams are the best teams from the season are going to have a chance to play each other to find out who really um, deserves to be the champion. And does there, is there any additional flexibility that you have to build into the protocol now? I mean, the, it's still a, uh, a shifting public health situation um, in the U.S. as it is in, in most countries going into kind of colder weather. Yeah, so one of the other elements that we implemented for the postseason was the idea of moving to neutral sites. Um, and so uh, the opening round will be at home team ballparks. But after that point, we're going to move to neutral sites where we can have a higher level of control uh, of outside influence and, you know, do a better job testing and maintaining uh, close um, monitoring of families and players and staff members. Um, so we're moving, starting in the division series round, which is the, the second round of the postseason. we're going to be moving to four neutral sites, uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, Houston and Dallas. And so everybody will relocate to those venues. Um, we'll have dedicated hotel space with, you know, a lot of uh, security and, and protocols, monitoring those types of things. Um, 
and it'll really give us a chance to, to minimize the level of community interaction, um, which is one of the, the top places of, of where, you know, virus enters into the system is through, you know, family members, community, going to restaurants, those types of things. We'll have all those, we'll bring the families to the players and we'll have a, a pretty controlled level of, of entertainment, food, those types of things for all the players to feel like a sense of normalcy, but not have to go out into the community and risk um, interacting, you know, with the virus. So yeah. it should hopefully result in, uh, you know, a limited chance of some type of disruption. And that, that was sort of the idea behind putting the neutral sites into play. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get on to some of the ways that this season has been different and, and the things that you can incorporate from a, a technology perspective, a, a fan engagement perspective but obviously particularly the 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 change to postseason is people are going to ask whether there is anything that you would keep for subsequent postseasons you know when when you have the the full regular season beforehand I mean how are you approaching that going into the next couple of months how do you how will you assess whether there is some uh some longevity in this idea yeah, the commissioner has said publicly that, you know, I think we, we really have liked what we've seen with the expanded postseason. And the idea would be that in future years, whether it's next year or the year after, that that's something we would pursue. It, it may not be the, the volume and the number of teams that we've had this year if we're able to get a, a more regular post, uh, regular design, regular season where teams are playing each other. Maybe we, we go to six teams per league or seven teams per league instead of eight. Um, but I think we've gotten really good feedback around the structure of the postseason, and um, I think hopefully it's something we can continue. Like I said, whether it's next year or the year after, you know, sometime in the near future, we'll see more of that. Um, I, I hope we're not doing neutral sites again, you know, next year. I hope that was a kind of a one-time thing, um, and we're sort of back to normalcy in terms of fans in the ballpark and um, you know, players and, and fans getting a chance to interact more directly in, in home markets. So we'll, we'll just have to keep an eye on that and see how things go. Obviously, there haven't been any fans attending all season, which again is is common with the experience of of a lot of sports in in, in much of the world. But um, what was your approach to that as a league? How much were teams encouraged to to try things uh, to compensate for that on their own terms, and how much was there kind of a centralized strategy of okay this is how we're gonna uh try and and replicate some of the the look and feel and the atmosphere for broadcast this is how we're gonna try and uh, and compensate sponsors and, and so on yeah i would say there was a, a pretty good level of coordination across the league um you know we worked with all 30 clubs to brainstorm ideas share best practices and ideas and and get information out at, in the local markets but ultimately at the end of the day a lot of these elements were items that were um up to each club individually. So you saw the fan cutouts. A lot of teams chose to put them into play, but not all teams. Um, you know, we we did a, a league-wide coordinated approach with regards to crowd noise. And so I think that was very successful and it made the broadcast feel more authentic um, to have some uh, enhanced crowd noise from the games with no fans. Um, we did a number of digital activations centrally um, that were applied, applied across the league. There was an app that we built called Cheer at the Ballpark um, that was a, it was featured across uh, a lot of our different platforms, our, our, our uh, mobile app, our website, um, connected devices. And so um, that, that was an app that allowed fans to check into games and, and cheer, follow the game and cheer. That information was then passed to the scoreboard operator who could then adjust the, the crowd noise during the game. Um, 
And so there were a number of things like that where we we worked across the teams to brainstorm ideas, share information, work with our broadcasters. And I think the feedback we got overall was really positive. I think people felt like we you know, create, created a, an authentic sounding um, production and, and broadcast, um, despite the fact that certainly it was uh, quite unusual circumstances this year. Yeah. And then again, when you're working features like that in, how much are you starting from uh, a standing start and just thinking, okay, how we, we need to be able to improvise to get a, a better uh, better TV product out this year, and and um, and how much are you? Uh, how much have you, had you been tracking certain ideas and and thinking about how you could incorporate them? And it was worth taking the the chance on that kind of product this year. Yeah, look, a lot of these things are just um, you know recognizing that we had a lot of flexibility this year to try new things. I think you know we we were sort of starting with a blank canvas in a lot of respects. Um, you know, no one's ever really done this before, played an entire season with no fans. Um, so, look, I think we just, we got together as a, as a league office, we got together with our clubs and we just brainstormed. We came up with ideas. We, we said, hey, if I'm a fan, you know, as a fan of baseball, what do I want to see? What would I be interested in um, in terms of increasing my level of engagement and community interaction? And, you know, what we really saw from our fans was that what they love about baseball, what they love about sports is this opportunity to connect with others and to be part of a community. And so the things that were the most successful were things that really allowed people to feel like they were part of something bigger, feel like they were part of a, a crowd, feel like they were part of some sort of community. And, um, you know, we like, like the cheer at the ballpark app. I mean, we had 75 million interactions, um, through that feature because I think people really want to feel like they're, they're a part of something and they're cheering with other people and, and, and it's a community. And so, um, those are the types of learnings that we took away from this year that will be certainly things that we apply to next year and the coming years. Help us spread the word about the Sports Pro podcast. Subscribe, like and share our content on social. Join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag SportsProPod. And if you're enjoying our work, why not leave us a rating and a nice review on your podcast platform of choice. And if you want to get in touch, you can send us an email, podcast at sportspromedia.com. The Sports Pro podcast. We're listening to. What, what what are some of the ways in which MLB wants to engage with fans differently in in the seasons ahead? Because you've got you know uh, gaming platforms that in some states will have a, a cash element to them. Um, you've got your video library project that you're working on with with Google Cloud, um, which we which I'm keen to get onto as well. But where's the biggest area for for growth in MLB that you've been able to identify through what's been you know otherwise a pretty difficult year i would say broadly um, digital engagement via video has been uh, has seen exponential growth this year whether it's live streaming um you know with our mlb.tv product or it's video on demand with our new mlb film room product that allows users to search create video reels and then share them on social media platforms um and in both cases, what we've seen is, again, going back to this idea of community, people want to engage with these sports properties so that they can share and experience the, um, the game with others. And that using the film room as an example, what I think the key to the success of that platform so far has been this idea that you can create your own content and then share it with your friends. And so we've seen people creating, you know, just some really uh, um, interesting reels of, um, 
know, best plays from their favorite team, best plays from their favorite player, best defensive plays, things that you know probably wouldn't make it into a news article with a mass audience, but is of interest to a smaller group of people. And we've seen really strong growth in terms of consumption on our video platform for some of these more niche areas that um, allows fans to really show their personality and to do things that are unique for their own um, group of fans. So I would say those types of things on the video front, you know, are, are have been really interesting learnings for us, and I think are going to continue to be important going forward. Mm. I mean, just on that on that subject of the the film room project, you know, one of the things that is not unique to MLB but sets it apart from from some other leagues uh, is just the sheer volume of of games in a in a normal season. Does that mean does that mean that you have to think differently about video generally and about how people are going to interact with it and how people are going to uh, interact with, with the media that you put out? Because, you know, if you compare it to the NFL, for example, or, or a European league in, in football, you have so many more games that, that while the live product is important, and particularly when you get into the postseason, fans are just not going to keep up with the same uh, the same volume of games because, you know, there's, there's uh, a lot of life going on around them. You know, so what is, is that where a project like that comes from? Yeah, look, the, the, the unique aspect of baseball relative to other sports really from the beginning has been the, the volume of, of product and the fact that it's a daily sport. And so, you know, it, it really creates an opportunity for you to engage as much or as little as you want. You can be the type of person that just follows in the box scores casually, um, or you can be the type of person that watches your favorite team every night of the week and it's it's appointment viewing for you and it's something that you're really you know focused on and you have a real emotional connection to um and so i think what we're finding particularly in in the in this pandemic is that people consume content in a lot of different ways and particularly with younger generation that are more interested in consuming products in in smaller doses um you know through mobile devices um you know we need to create options for those audiences to consume the product. And it's, and, and it's important for us to make sure that what we're bringing to our fan base is not a one size fits all product. It's not a, you know, Hey, go to your, you know, giant big screen TV, turn on the game and, and let it sit there for three and a half hours. It's, you know, let's, let's um, focus on finding additional ways for people to consume. So if you want to watch highlights, if you want to watch specific at bats, if you want to be notified when something important in a game is going on, you know, and you can come and tune in. We want to provide all those features for fans um, so that they can experience the game they want to experience it um, and be respectful of their time and other commitments. And I think you know the the feedback that we've gotten this year has been that some of those new capabilities that we've added um, have been helpful in, in allowing people consume the game the way they want to consume it. Yeah, and what are what are some of the ways in which you're hoping to to build on those uh, those ideas? One of the, I mean, we haven't, we don't have anything, you know, in terms of a roadmap um, specifics plan, but I, I would say conceptually, our, our biggest area of focus right now is creating a more personalized video experience. And so what you can imagine is moving from a world where you come to our platform and you, and it, and it lists all the games and you click a game and you watch the game, you know, and you, and you watch that game for as long as you want, you can flip between games, but by and large, you're, you know, you're, you're having to interact with the product and choosing what you want to consume. We want to move it to a world where you don't have to do anything. You come to the website and you hit play 
and the site knows who you are, what your interests are, who your favorite team is, who your favorite players are. And it literally takes you around the product um, automatically using AI and machine learning to say, okay, I'm a fan of this team. I'm going to watch this team for a while. When they go to a commercial break, I'm going to go and watch my favorite player that's on another team. Or I'm really interested in um, late game scenarios, close games. So I'm going to flip from this close game to that close game. And it's all going to happen automatically. And it's going to be a customized experience for you personally. No one person is going to have the same experience. Um, and we really feel like that's the next generation of product and sports product consumption mm. is this idea that you're going to be able to, we, we're going to know so much about our fans that they're going to be able to create a customized viewing experience based on your interests. And we believe that that concept is really going to aid with engagement and, and interaction with the product um, across our entire fan base. Yeah. I mean, obviously the other thing about baseball um, in terms of how the sport is structured, it's very much about discrete moments. It's very much about, you know, you've described a couple of, uh, of comparable types of play there that, that will occur um, quite frequently. How do you want to use that data? How do you want to use that, that kind of statistical part of, of the baseball experience? Where do you want to take that in, in the seasons ahead? Yeah, that's, that's the other element. So there's the idea of creating a customized video experience. But then on top of that, there's the idea of creating a customized data experience. And you know, data has been at the heart of baseball since the 1800s, frankly. Um, it's something that our most avid fans love about the sport, and it's something that separates us from other products is the, the level of um, importance of statistics and data within baseball. And so we've been really focusing on um, using machine vision and um, new camera technology to track what happens on the field. So track where the ball is going, track where all the players are going, track the interaction that's happening in the game in real time, and then creating data layers that presents that to fans in a unique way that allows them to understand what, what's happening in a data-oriented fashion. So you've seen things, the basics of that, exit velocity, launch angle, um, you know, pitcher break, all those types of things that... Um, you know, you've, you've seen out with our StatCast product, we're just going to continue to enhance those. So you can imagine seeing things like um, information about the swing path of the bat, the location of the catcher's mitt when the pitch is thrown and whether the, the pitcher hit the target, um, how quickly a player's um, positioning and moving on from a defensive perspective, how fast someone's feet were in terms of terming a double play. That's where we're looking to go from a data standpoint. And I think, again, similar to what we talked about on video, it creates an opportunity for fans to have a varied level of engagement depending on how interested they are in a particular data element. Obviously, that's going to create a whole range of different ways that people will watch baseball or follow baseball if they're, if they're not watching. What kind of opportunities does it create in, uh, in sports betting? Is that something that you're, you're actively engaging with at the moment? Um, we've been working with uh, the various um, sports betting data providers. We're providing data and information to them. Um, and look, at, at this point, I think it's really just getting off the ground. I mean, we're, it's, what's important to us is integrity and the fact that we're getting quality data out and it's, it's standardized across all the different um, elements. So we have an authorized gaming operator program where they are, are receiving certified data from us. And over time, what you're going to see is just more and more data being included in that pipeline. Um, so right now, it's, you know, it's your essential game elements. But over time, you could imagine the things I just talked about. So... Um, more data around player performance
performance, um, how what what activities are happening on the field, how quickly they're happening, those types of things. Um, you're going to see that grow over time as the industry matures. Um, but I, I would say right now we're still in the early stages, and it'll be interesting to see how the industry evolves over the coming years. Digital engagement has been something you've been able to explore this year, but there has been no uh, no in venue activity. There've been no fans at, at, at stadiums. The big challenge for baseball as well as you've had no minor league season either. You know the baseball economy is going to be suffering as as a result of what's happened this year. I mean, without getting into the weeds too much on the discussions that are going on between Major League Baseball and, and Minor League Baseball at the moment, what do you have to be prepared for for next year to, to kind of when you might have people going back to ballparks across the US? How how do you get everything back on its feet? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, variability of what things are going to look like next year. I think what's important for us is using our digital tools to help facilitate the in-ballpark experience. So we, we spent a lot of time this year using our digital tools to help the remote experience. So remote viewing, um, remote interaction, you know, being able to do these things from your home. I think the, the next level of progression is that we apply that same thinking to the in-park experience. How can we quickly get you into the ballpark? How can we do screening and other activities that may be necessary um, to, to keep people safe and healthy in the ballpark? How can we do things like mobile food ordering um, and you know, keep the concession lines at a minimum? Those are all the things that we're going to be thinking about for next year. And, you know, a lot to, lot to happen between now and then. Um, but certainly, um, just like we, we saw this year, digital is going to be at the heart of the fan experience going forward. And, and we have uh, certainly committed the time and resources to, um, to do that going forward. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the, you know, putting the, the user at the heart of the, the digital uh, environment that, that you're creating. Is there going to be an opportunity to combine those two things to combine the ticketing and video consumption and merchandising and memberships of all that type of stuff. Yeah. Look, that's when I talk about personalization, that's one of the core elements is kind of creating one view of the fan, one, one user account, same as, you know, if you have an account at Amazon or Google or, or whatever, you know, Apple, the, you, you know, you have one account and, and there's one experience for you. And, and we know, when you, you know, your preferences for video consumption, we know your preferences for attendance, we know your preferences for, you know, across how you consume baseball. And so that's a big area of focus for us is um, creating personalized experiences where we can really enhance the, the fan experience and make it seamless for you, no matter where you choose to interact with baseball. And, you know, as I say, there will have been um, an economic hit to the sport, but there's also longer term challenges in terms of getting another generation of fans engaged and, and getting them um, playing and watching as well. There's been some discussion, some reports of a kind of a, a one baseball strategy. And I know, again, the the negotiations with minor league baseball have sometimes been difficult and, and, uh, and, and is going to lead to a, a reshaping of how the sport works. But what, what's the, what's the broader strategic challenge for, for MLB in terms of uh, growing that fan base from the bottom as well as uh, as well as doing what you can um, with the fans that you already have. Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, the, the focus for us is about creating engagement with, with the next generation of fans. And what's most important is that we're able to connect with them where they want to 
interact with the sport. And so that, to your point, that may be minor league baseball, that may be major league baseball, that may be in person at the ballpark, that may be digital, you know, via video or other, other platforms. And so I think the key for us is using all the resources that we have across the sport, uh, including participation, uh, which has been a essential element for us. And, um, you know, baseball still, despite, you know, the challenges that we've had this year is, is the, is the most participated sport, um, for kids under the age of 12. And so we, we do really well with getting kids to interact with the sport. And now it's just a matter of continuing to be flexible so that they can continue to engage with the product as they grow older and have families and those types of things. The Sports Pro Podcast is published by Sports Pro Media. The producer is Ed Dixon.